Um, well, we are going to dive right in tonight because tonight is like heavy, heavy scripture. Is that all right with everybody? I know we're in church, so um, <laughs> but it's going to be um, it's going to be great though. Tonight's message is called "This: A Legacy of Love." A Legacy of Love. First Corinthians thirteen thirteen says this: Three things will last forever: faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is what? Love, right? No, so we're talking about leaving a legacy of love. This is a great thing. And I don't know about you, so a legacy is something that we leave behind, right? We all want to leave a legacy to our children. Um, some of us are hoping to leave money. I hope my kids aren't expecting that. Um, if they wanted money, I should have had less kids, right? But, but it's something I can leave them. I can leave them something that lasts forever, right? A legacy of love. So we're going to be talking about love tonight. Um, last week, we talked about a love for God. Right, and, and just what that, that love for God calls us to. It calls us to a particular action, right? It calls us um, to set side, um, things aside and to pursue God and to, to, to do it wholeheartedly. Tonight, we're going to continue because our, our passage for this was Matthew 22, starting in verse 34. And here, Jesus is confronted by some Pharisees, and he says this, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, the thing was happening here that, that they didn't like Jesus, and so they wanted to get him to say something that would cause the people to revolt against him, to trap him in some type of, of heresy, something like that. And, and this question here was totally loaded, right? Because all of God's commands are, are equal. And, and we have the Ten Commandments, which we talked about last week. Again, if you um, grew up in the 80s and 90s, you were subjected to that Charleston Heston movie every every year, whether you wanted to watch it or not, um, and, and you learned about the, the Ten Commandments. That was like all the Bible education I had as a child. Um, and then um, they had something else, though. They had the oral tour. They had over 600 oral tradition laws, which is an expansion of the Ten which is really, really scary. I'm glad we don't have to do that now, right? I can't hardly keep up with five things, much less over 600 things. And so that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to trap Jesus. Which of these 600 and something rules and laws is the most important if you had to pick one? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. And so Jesus begins to lay this out. And this comes from Deuteronomy. And so he's got him. This has been stated before by prophets of old. So he's in a safe zone. But, but Jesus, he begins to, to move forward. And we want to talk about this this week. And then he says, a second is equally. Say equally. 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 I mean, what could be equally important to loving God? That seems like nonsense, doesn't he? He said, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? The golden rule. We tell our kids about it all the time. Treat others how you want to be treated. Like here, Jesus, the son of God is saying, hey, that's actually really significant. Now, that's something that maybe you should look into, right? The first and the greatest is love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, right? Give him everything. The second that's equally great is love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says the entire law, the entire law, all the oral Torah, all the Ten Commandments, the entire law, and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And again, we talked about this last week, that the, the word here translated to, to love is agape. Um, and, and this is a sacrificial, unconditional devotion, right? And so that's the type of love 
that we should have for God, but it's also the type of love we should have for our neighbor. It means, again, actively doing what the Lord prefers. Loving people, actively doing what the Lord prefers in that situation, with that person, with him, by his power, and by his direction. And, and that, that second part's really significant there, <laughs> with his power and his direction. How many of us know that, that sometimes it's only by his power and direction that we don't beat people that, that are in our sphere of influence, right? Much less love them. And so um, he says, love, love people. Be devoted to them. Love them as you love yourself. And this, of course, is based off the premise that we love ourselves, that we love ourselves. Um, this doesn't mean that we must love ourselves before we love other people. There's not a loophole here. You can't be like, well, I don't really care about me, so of course I can treat people like trash. That's not at all what Jesus is saying. That, that it's based off of the premise that you have a love for yourself that's, that's Christ-centered because this is something where our life should be Christ-centered. The value we place on our life should be a value that's declared by Jesus at the cross, right, and who he says we are and what he says about us. And so if that's our value, then that's how we should love people. There's no loophole here. We should have an unconditional devotion to the people that we call our neighbor. Good Samaritan reveals that, that all of God's people are our neighbor, right? That, so we're called to love every person we may encounter with this type of unconditional love. So loving people, loving people around us is difficult. And that's probably no surprise to you. I mean, if you've been to Walmart, if you've driven down the street, um, if you've had more than an hour conversation with me, you probably had some difficulties loving me even in that moment. And, and I know this, the, my, my wife and my sister on the front row here, they would be like, yes, hey, man, right? He's so difficult. I just don't know about him. Um, they probably question all the time whether or not God even called me to this. Um, but it, it's not only not a surprise to you. It wasn't a surprise to God. God, God didn't say this. And he's like, ah, oh, crap. People are really difficult. I should go back and change what I said. I didn't realize that so-and-so was going to treat so-and-so so poorly and be such a dirtbag. Man, that's not what he's doing. He knew. He knew your spouse would be difficult. He knew your neighbor would tick you off. He knew that your coworkers would drive you crazy, right? He knew that you would struggle with violence every day, right, every day, but he still called us to this unconditional type of devotion, this type of love to the people around us. Loving people, though, it's not a response to them. Did you know that? That, that our obligation to love people is not predicated on people's response to us, how they treat us, how they love us, or any of that. It's predicated on one thing, how Jesus loved us, what, what God did for us. And based off of that, based off of that singular thing, that is what motivates us to love other people unconditionally, sacrificially, devoted to them, pursuing them. Again, loving people is not a response to them. It's a response to what God has done for us. And in fact, our love for people, it indicates our love for God. There's a direct correlation. Your ability to love the people around you is directly tied to your relationship with God and it extends far beyond the presence. Again, Corinthians reveals that, that love is one of these things that, that lasts forever. And, and when we get a God 
type of love down, this, this agape love, this devotion to the people around us, it lasts forever. It leaves a legacy. It leaves a legacy, something that, that far outlasts us and this breath that we call life. Tonight, as we discuss loving people, I want to talk about, I want to talk about one apostle. I want to talk about the apostle John. And I want to talk about John because his story, the way that he was labeled, it started off just a little bit, a little bit rough. His response to people around him was a response that, that I can relate to. And I want to start with Luke, Luke 9, verse 51. And it says this, as the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John, this is the John we're talking about, saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, we should call down fire from heaven and burn them up. I love John, right? <laughs> Who in here loves John? It's like, you don't want to agree with me? God, let's, let's get fire from heaven to rain down and destroy them. Well, John, doesn't that seem like kind of an overreaction? No, right? I mean, John is a man after my own heart. You know how David was a man after God's own heart? Man, John's a man after my own heart. I can't tell you how many times I'm sitting in traffic and like, God, let's rain down fire from heaven and clear the way so I can get through this, man. I mean, I, I want that all the time. I wish fire from heaven would rain down in Walmart and just clear out. I mean, there's just all these moments. I'm like, can we do that? I mean, Jesus said we'll do greater things than he. It's just something that we've got. And, and I really like just where John was going with this. But, you know, unfortunately, Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went on to another village. Jesus is like, hold your horses, bro. Like, that's a little excessive. Let's pray for them. Let's move on. But, but John is this guy. And because John is this guy, he's actually called Sons of Thunder. Um, we see this in Mark Mark 3, 16, it says, these are the 12 that he chose. Simon, who he named Peter, James and John, sons of Ze Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder. It's one of the only references we see to this. But you have John, who, who in the beginning, God, God knew his heart, right? Knew his struggles, knew who he was, and declared him to be a son of thunder. I mean, this is a picture of me in my life growing up, man. I mean, if my mom could go back, that would probably be what she called me because I don't know about you, but, but anger has been an issue for me for a long time. And, and I know as, as a young man and as a boy, loving people was an impossibility. And, and just deal with, with anger and hatred and these things in my heart. And John's story, though, it gives me a lot of hope. And, and it gives me a lot of hope because of what Jesus began to do with him and through him. And so John, even though he was nicknamed the son of thunder, later on by the end of his life, and, and he's the, the only disciple that died of old age. Um, we have the gospel of John, and then we have first, second, and third John write his epistles, and then we have the book of Revelation. And John wrote all of these, and by the end of his life, John went from son of thunder, he went down to let's rain fire down from heaven and burn up these Samaritans to being known as the apostle of love. To have this transformation, to go from somebody who was most likely hard-hearted and hard-headed to, to being soft 
and malleable and, and, and loving people the way that God had, had called him to love and ministering to people in a significant way. And this, the crazy thing about this is, is he maintained this into old age. He, he maintained this um, after being persecuted and exiled. They attempted to tar and feather him and, and, and he never grew bitter. He never grew angry. Even into old age, old man, he maintained this attitude. And in fact, with each year, he grew more and more like Jesus. He, he stepped more into the presence of God. He moved further away from this label and this identity uh, of just being angry and more into the image of Christ. And, and I love that. It gives me, gives me so, such hope. John, he aged well and learned from Christ. Much like us, his liabilities, his liabilities were exchanged for assets as he matured. And that's what God begins to, to do for us. There's things in my life that, that at one point were, were liabilities, that, that were weaknesses. And God flipped them upside down, turned them on top of their head, and, and he leveraged them today to, to reach people. It blows me away. And he does the same in, in each of us. And as long as we begin to turn those things over to him and, and allow his love, the love we talked about last week, to really penetrate our hearts and to minister to us, it changes everything. So tonight, I want us to look at some powerful truths when it comes to loving one another. We're going to exclusively be in 1 John. That's one of John's epistles. It's towards the end of your New Testament. 1 John chapter 4 starting in verse 7. I don't ask you guys to do this very frequently, but if you can tonight, I want to encourage you, open up your Bible, go to the YouVersion app, and turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at uh, 15 verses and little, I like statistics, I like numbers. In these 15 verses, love or variation of it is used 27 times. That's, that's 1.8 times for each verse. One point each time for each verse. John talks about love through these passages, and it opens up. It says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. We learned about that last week. I want to encourage you, go back, listen to last week's message. It says, love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Amen. That's a lot to unpack there. That's, that's a lot to look at. Again, let us continue to love one another. Why? For love comes from God. It, it's not let us continue to love one another because they work really hard to meet all of your needs and they totally deserve it. Um, let us continue to love one another because they're always there for us. They never let us down, disappoint us, or tick us off. Let us continue to love those who are just really good to us. No, let us continue to love one another because love comes from God, right? That love comes from, not from them, from God. And he goes on and he says, anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone, say anyone. anyone, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And point number one tonight is this, love indicates our relationship with God. Love indicates where you are 
on the spectrum with God and, and, and your ability to pursue him. And, and, and if you don't have relationship with God, it impacts your ability to love those around you. And I'll say this, maybe you're convinced tonight that, that you, you've got it all together. If you find your, your heart full of hatred towards somebody, the enemy has deceived you in, in a significant way. You've bought into a lie, um, and you're, you're at risk of, of losing it, now, losing your relationship. You need to, to remember that, that love indicates a relationship with God, and, and if your heart's not full of that, if you're not pursuing that, that's not from God. You've allowed something else in, and when we allow something else in, it, it impacts our, our life our relationship, our recovery. Again, last week, you know, we talked about just the significance of God's love and how it, it motivates us towards change. And in, in response to what God's done, you know, we lay everything down. And so if we allow hatred for our brother or our sister to, to creep in, we could lose it all. You could backslide. You could take a step back. Unforgiveness is such a powerful thing in our life. And, and unforgiveness is not love, right? Forgiveness is and love indicates our relationship with God. Your ability to forgive indicates your relationship with God. But there's a direct correlation here. And again, point number one, love indicates. It indicates our relationship with him. You know, before, uh, before coming into a relationship with Jesus, and, and, and really with my story, that all happened here. I wasn't raised in church. I didn't go to church. This is the first place that I ever got planted. And, and anybody who knew me before this season of life would tell you, um, one, I was a hateful person. Some people, particularly ones up here, might still lie and say that I still am. Um, but, but I was hard-hearted. And, and I, was, I was selfish. And I was self-centered. And, and I didn't care for the people around me. Because my life was absent of Jesus. And in that, I was motivated towards selfish and self-centered things. For me personally, it was substance abuse. But if that's you, maybe it's something else. The, the point, though, is it kept me at a distance from the things that God had for me and intended for me. But as I stepped into the church, as I stepped into relationship with him, God really began to do a work on my heart. And I remember one of the first places where I really began to, to serve and to love people, and it was with kids. It was with something that I never in a million years would have, would have guessed. I mean, I hated children. And, and my sister's rolling her eyes. She's like, why do you say the things that you say? Um, I don't know. I have no self-control. Um, but... There was just something in my heart that I was like, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to be around them. But the more God worked on me, the more he grew me, the more he dealt with me, the more I loved them. And, and I remember just being at this place where I would, I would weep over other people's kids because I cared so much. And I was like, God, why did you make me such a wussy? I didn't understand it. But it was just the love of God. And, and, and there was a direct correlation with my growth. And, and I'll tell you now, man, I, I pray for that soft heart. Because I know this, man, the softer my heart is, the more I weep for people, it indicates how close I am to Jesus. And, and there's days today where, where I will just, I don't even I have no control. Like, it's, it's embarrassing at times. But, 
but I love it. I lean into it now. Used to, I thought that, that moving away from it made me more of a man. And now I realize that leaning into it makes me more of a godly man, right? That, that it's, there's something that's changed. And so I crave that. I crave that softness because I know this, that comes from God. And if I'm pursuing that, I'm pursuing Jesus. And if I'm pursuing Jesus, I'm taking steps and steps and putting miles and distance between who I used to be and what I'm trying to get away from. And in love, again, it indicates our relationship with God. Lean in to the soft-heartedness. Lean, lean in to, to pursuing people, even sticky little kids. Right? Love them. Let God work through you and in you and do a work in you. By, by putting you in a relationship with difficult people, allowing you to, to love on those that, that are far from him. Again, love indicates our relationship with God. It continues and it says this in, in verse nine. It says, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And then it goes on in verse 11. It says, dear friends, since God loved us that much, how much? So much that he would send Jesus to save us. Amen. So much that, that he would sacrifice his son to set us free, that, that he loved us. I, I, I love this. And I may have talked about it last week. The, the mind-boggling thing to really consider is is God is outside of time. And that's crazy. We won't get into that right now. But that means that, that when Jesus laid his life down, he did so knowing that I was a dirt bag and that he was dying for me. Right? And that, that's what's crazy. That he wasn't surprised by my mistakes. That at the cross, in that moment, big picture, he knew each and every person that he was laying his life down for. Each and every sin each and every sinner, each and every situation. But God loved us that much that he would lay down his life. And since God loved us that much, since God loved you so much that he would pick you up out of addiction, that, that he would set you free from lies from the enemy, that he would restore your relationships and your brokenness and lift you up. Since God loved you that much, since God loved you that much, we surely ought to love each other. Because of that, that's where our love for people, it has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with Jesus. And since he loved us that much, we ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Again, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Point number two is this. Our love reveals God's love to the world. And our love reveals God's love to the world. As I was coming in into the life that I have now, um, I, I didn't have some divine revelation of God. There was no appearing of Jesus, you know, in, in any type of physical way. You know, it wasn't like Paul's story where I'm riding a horse and I'm knocked off of it or, or a camel or whatever, and I have this like, oh, here, here I am, Jesus. No, that it was, it was little things. It, it, was, it was people placed in, in, 
in positions and places in my life, in the community, in the church that were present and that, that loved me in spite of my mistakes. It was that love, God's love showing up through them and in them that made me aware of the presence of God. It, it was what they did that, that drew me in and that ministered to me. I, I've never had God audibly speak to me. I, I've, never, I've never physically seen him. But I know without a doubt that he's there, that he's real, that he's present. And one of the reasons that I can have such confidence is because of God's people that I've encountered. That, that God's love working through them. Again, going back to this, it says, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. That's, that's like a completeness. That, that is God has ministered to you and God has set you free and God has saved you, delivered you, all of those things that, that what he's done in you is not complete even if you were to become perfect until you express God's love to other people. That, that's the full expression. That's the completeness. That, that God's work is sent out and, and, and his love is sent forward and, and it remains, it remains uh, not, not fully there, right? I just, I just kind of had this thought and it's really off topic. I just think of kind of like the download bar. You ever sit there? I don't know if you guys remember like dial up internet and uh, pirating things off of Napster. I never did that. That's a sin. <laughs> and, and, and you get so ticked off because it would be like right up there to be like 99% and like your MP3 doesn't work at 99%, right? It's got to be fully there. It's like, it's not enough. And, and that's just kind of like, it's dead. It's there, but it's not there. You know what I mean? Everybody who's, you know, not born in, in the 90s or 80s has no idea what I'm talking about. But the rest of us, it used to take forever to download these things. It was like hours for that, for that one song. And, and that's like the work of God, right? It's like there, but, but it's not, it's not complete until we begin to minister to people and we begin to love people, that the work that God's doing in us is not complete until we do that. And I know this, that there, I was in the church. I experienced the love of God. I didn't get set free from addiction completely until I started loving people like selflessly around me. That that was when like everything God had for me began like coming out and, and, and getting there. And I started getting it. And that was where like real, it was like freaky. It was one of those things, I mean, I've been picking on my sister a lot, but I remember, again, she was like, I don't know what's wrong with you. You're such a, I mean, it was just like so significant, but it was really just my heart was there. And, and I was just loving people. And then God's working through me and he's, he's like tying up loose ends and he's finishing things, right? Because it was the completeness. I'd been selfish until that moment. And, and I'd held it in and, and held back and, and I wasn't willing to give it all. But right there, then it started hitting. And, and I love this again, point two. Our love, it reveals God's love to the world. And as we, as we do that, it's brought to full expression in us. And as it's brought to full expression in us, it, it, it completes something and as it ministers to us. And, and maybe you're stuck. Maybe you're there and you, you're in a slump. You're still struggling and you can't get past certain things in your life. And maybe it's because you're being selfish with God's love. Maybe it's because you're unwilling to, to serve to, to pray for people, to minister to people, to hug people, to, to love on them. And, and if you would just move past that, God's love 
would be brought to full expression in you. God's, the work that he's doing in you would begin to be completed. And so again, point number two, our love reveals God's love to the world. He continues in verse 13, it says, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. And we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And then in 17, he says this, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Say perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Point number three is this, our ability to love is perfected in his presence. That, that again, the more that we lean into him, the more that we lean in to his presence and, and pursue his word, and the more that we pursue him, the more that these things are, are growing in us and, and perfected in us. And, and I know this, that there's days that I struggle, but the more I lean into him, there, there's less days of the old Aaron that wants to road rage and beat people, right? That there's more of the, the soft-hearted, the, the kind man that, that I want to be, that, that I know God's called me to be, and I can lean more into that. And again, point number three, our ability to love He's perfected by his presence. That, that if you're struggling to get it, if you're, if you're struggling to get that full expression of God's love, spend more time with him. Devote more to him. Pursue him. It's there. And it says, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. That, that as we perfect that love, that it perfects that Christ-like image. You know, we're, we're image bearers of Christ. It, it does that work in us. And as that's done, a lot of these major things are dealt with. That, right, the, the depression, the, the anxiety, the, the addiction, that, that loving God and loving people handles those things. It deals with those things. It, it brings about Christ's image in us. He works through us, through his love. It's so simple, yeah, so incredibly difficult. But if we, again, keep our eyes on him day in, day out, spend time in his word, pursue his presence, God's love's perfected in us, and we'll learn to live more like Christ in this world. He continues, it says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Side note, the kind of love that they're talking about here, it allows us to come before God absent of fear. That's not in your notes, but it's important just to note that, that as we love like that, again, that, that fear that causes us to run from God when we're making mistakes or messing up, it's dealt with. It helps us to come boldly to Christ, boldly before him, to, to deal with all of the things in our lives. And so perfect love, it expels that fear and it allows us to humble ourselves before him. And then in verse, uh, 
Oh, in, in verse 19, it says, we love each other because he loved us first. If somebody says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. Again, we love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God when we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must, say must, must love their fellow believers. Must love their fellow believers. That if we talk about love, it, it is not, it's not an option, it's a command. It, it, it's a response to what he's done in us that we have, to, we have to learn to pursue it with every ounce of our being. And again, I know this, it's not easy, but it's what we're called to do. And as you pursue loving God with everything, loving people with everything, it becomes a heck of a lot easier. To recap, love indicates our relationship with God. That if you're far from love, you're far from God. That, that if you're struggling to get it, it's an indication of where you are with him. Number two, our love reveals God's love to the world. It goes back to the scripture, man. Let's, let's be light. Let's be salt. Our love reveals God's love. And, and it completes it in us. And number three, our ability to love is perfected in his presence. And if you're struggling in it, pursuing, lay it all down. And God will begin to perfect it in us. Our action steps tonight, we need to strengthen our relationship with Jesus. It, it's the key to everything, your life, your recovery, whatever it is you're doing, it's centered on Christ. Strengthen your relationship with him. Number two, endeavor to express God's love to those around you. Not your love. I mean, sometimes my tank's empty. I don't have anything to give. But I'm not called to love people with everything I've got. I'm called to love people with everything God's given me, right? His, his love poured out onto them. And that's the, that's the, the context. That's the, the way we need to begin to line it up in our minds. Number three, allow God to bring about his perfection through you. That being in his presence perfects God's love in us. It's, it's not, again, it's not our strength. It's not our perfection. It's all his, but it requires that we pursue him. And so everything we talked about tonight, though, it, it centers on that relationship with Jesus, right? You, you can't love people unless you, you love God, unless you've submitted to him. And God's love's required. It's, I was so stuck. I was so stuck for so long until I began to, to get that and to understand that and, and to give it all to him and to surrender to him. And so if you're in here tonight and, and you're still trapped in addiction, you're still bought into lies, you're still in depression, begin to just give it to God. Come to him. Humble yourselves before him. Surrender to him and say, God, I can't do it. I can't save myself. I need you to lift me up out of darkness. I need you to set me free. Because no matter how hard I try, I just can't get it. And so if you're in here tonight and you've never done that, you've never made the decision to follow him, to, to humble yourself before him, to make him Lord of your life, I want to call you to that. Here in just a moment, we're going to have some people up front. 
And so if you're in here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never surrendered to him, you've never made him Lord of everything, we want to encourage you to do that. And you can step out of your seat, you can come down front, and we would love just the opportunity to pray with you and for you so that, that you can make that decision tonight, so that you can be set free, so that you can be filled with God's love. And maybe you're in here tonight and you've done that before, but, but you've gotten off track, you've missed it, you've messed up, you've blown it. And you just want to come back. You're like, I miss that. I, I remember how good God was. And, and I've, been, I've been wandering back in darkness and I'm ready to come home. Can I do that tonight? Absolutely. The same offer that we extended to them, we're, we're extending to you. you. You can come down. You can surrender all over again. And you can recommit your life tonight. And so if that's you, we want to pray with you and for you for that. And, and then maybe you're in here and, and you just realize that You've been holding on to something. Maybe it's an addiction, a lie, a stronghold. Maybe you've been holding on to hatred. And you realize tonight that, that there's a relationship. And I get it, they wounded you. You know what? You're justified in your anger, but you realize tonight it doesn't matter because you're supposed to love them like God loves them. And you need to let that go. I want to encourage you to get a white chip tonight. Don't hang on to it. That's not from God. The anger, the hatred... It's not from God. And so if you need to, to get a white chip tonight and begin to lay that down and give God control over that relationship, I want to encourage you again when, when we end just to come down front and begin to pick up one of these chips. Now get it, it's, it's a piece of plastic, but it's the act of faith, the act of stepping out, pursuing him in that moment, that moment of surrender gives God access to minister to you. And so again, if that's you, we want to encourage you to, to pick up a white chip tonight. And then lastly, maybe you're in here and you just need prayer. You just, you just need somebody to journey with you, to talk to you, to pray with you. We want to be that for you too. And so for any of those things tonight, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to receive prayer, we want to encourage you to come down front and join us. And if everybody would, if you'd stand to your feet as we close in worship.